Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime, really. The best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Delano. Phil, uh, I saw a comment last week that said they thought I didn't like being referred to as a sidekick. And in, in most situations, that would be true. But Phil, I'll be your sidekick any day of the week, especially especially on the neutral zone. Well, the term sidekick, I mean, it's more like partner. It's, it means like partners. It means like we're in this together. It's a term of endearment. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Respect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the commenters, they don't, they didn't like the intro again, all of a sudden. Yeah. They're, I'm not sure what that's about. They uh, keep changing their minds. Yes. It's uh, it's hard for me to uh, keep track of what the people want because I'm just here to give the people what they want. <laughs> right, you know? right, of course, naturally. Yeah. Uh, Panorama Black says, I really like the Andrew Main Sion joke. Yeah, Andrew Main Son. Main Son. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Because uh, it was a good joke. So thank you for, for recognizing it for what it was. Yeah, that was last week's uh, episode. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Film Buffering says, your hair looks great, Phil. And um, like most people might think that was just a joke, but then it got two thumbs up and Daniel Page replied and said, like always. So they've got your back, Phil. Yeah. Daniel Page also commented and said that congrats, Eric, on your pending high school graduation. Right, it's uh, as we're recording this, it's uh, this weekend. So excited to uh, take the next step, heading off to college in the fall. It's a big how, deal for me. How is prom? How's prom? So, what happens at prom stays at prom. Okay, got it. Uh, Kevin Gray commented, "Love the show. Appreciate that, Kevin Gray." Uh, Eric Ramos, always NZ Nation baby. He likes the show. So uh, yeah, we're just here for the people, you know. So. That's what, that's what I would say. So Francisco Joaquina says, sounds like they're married. Are my feelings, but, but we are partners in this. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a great show for NZ nation here today. We're going to talk about the quarterback competition. We heard from both Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke earlier this week. Vic Fangio weighed in on uh, the quarterback competition, so we'll talk a little bit about that, Eric. We'll uh, also talk about some rivalry stuff, some feuds that are going on. You know, right now it's playoffs in the NHL, playoffs in the NBA, but the feud that everybody's talking about is in the golf world, Eric, so I know that excites you. That's true. I like it. Nothing better than a little golf feud. Yeah, of course, uh, uh, it got us thinking, though, hey, what are some rivalries on an individual basis if, in Broncos history? You know, like, say, for example, Jay Cutler and Philip Rivers, okay? That's an individual feud that those guys had. It made us start thinking about, okay, what are some of the top ones in Broncos history? We hope that the listeners are part of this conversation, too. Make sure you weigh in and tell us what you think. Yeah, and we got, uh, I mean, we got you, we got Matt Boyer. There's all sorts of feuds we can talk about. <laughs> you and Mace, of course. So, yeah, uh, Swanson versus the position of uh, podcast supervisor. You know, there's exactly. all kinds of personal feuds going yeah. on. Yeah, Swanson versus like a harsh shadow on the photograph he's trying to take. It's just, there's feuds everywhere, but we'll, we'll look at some player-specific feuds. Yes, but rarely will it boil over into Twitter, just like Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. Those guys are, they're open about it. That's true. That's and true. I personally think it's a great thing for sports. A little hatred, a little rivalry is always good for sports, in my opinion. We like that. We like that a lot. And the last thing that we have for everybody this week is a little conversation with a person named Jerry Judy, Eric. Yeah. Nice. I, I heard Phil... Uh, that he was pretty open about what he needs to improve in 2021. Um, he must have been listening to the neutral zone show because you've been quick to remind him often about the drops and how those need to, to go away forever. He must be another listener, a devout listener to uh, the neutral zone. Cause we talked about that a lot, but yes, yeah. a new, new mindset, a new approach, a new Jerry Judy, maybe 
uh, coming up this season. So we'll hear from him and uh, also talk a little bit about him. How does that sound? Does it sound like, like a it. pretty good show? It sounds really nice to me. Yeah. Uh, make sure you're a part of the conversation here. You can leave a voicemail called 707 Neutral, Eric. That's how you leave a voicemail. And we'll play that right here on the air. That's you right. Just, you just leave. It goes to a beep, and then you leave your message, and we play it. It's that simple. Yeah, you do have to stop talking at some point, because I think we got one voicemail this week that it got to the three-minute mark, and that's when it just gets cut off. Yeah. And this person just kept going. I assume they've hung up by now, Phil, but no real way to tell. They could just still be talking. Hopefully they're back listening to this episode. Like it just yeah. went right into that. Right. So uh, there's another way though, you can be involved in the show. That's right. You can leave an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. We check those all the time. Um, really about the only thing Ben Swanson does around here is check that email account. So send something, he'll read it. He'll send it to us. We'll talk about it. I mean, that's just, that's efficiency at its finest, Phil. That's a that's a supply chain. That's yeah. that's how you go through this. I heard that Swanson's on vacation this week. Yeah, I mean it's a great time to go. You got OTAs, nothing really going on, so time we, to get away. We we don't even know what that word means, Eric. Yeah, vacation. vacation? That's yeah, that's a that's a four letter word in our vocabulary. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and then also you can uh, just hit it up, hit us up right on Twitter at Eric Delala with an A at Phil Milani with a PH. Just blast us directly. That's how we prefer it. You know, uh, if you got a feud with one of us, just take it to Twitter and bring it. You know, that's yeah. what that's what I like to see. Or if you're watching right here on YouTube, leave a comment below, and we'll always read those. That's my that's my favorite part of the entire week, Eric. So is there anything else people should do when they're on YouTube, they're watching this video, they enjoy what they're listening to? I mean, there's a button, I think, that they should smash. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe the subscribe button could be good. Yes. Smash that. It's, I think it's right here. Yeah. And what? Maybe there's like a sound effect that goes with it, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So smash that, sub that uh, subscribe button. Yes. Never miss an episode. And you'll never miss it. Yeah, exactly. You'll yeah. always be a part of the conversation yeah. forever. You like that. You can never go away. Yeah. We'll always be here. So, Eric, let's jump in right into our first topic of conversation on this week's episode. And that is about the quarterback competition. Not going to learn too much during the offseason program here, but uh, nice to hear what Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater have been up to. Yeah, in two completely different Phil mindsets and attitudes. Uh, Teddy is calm. He's kind of, I don't want to say Bruce relaxed. not calm, huh? What? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> Teddy is calm. He's relaxed. He's, you know, it seems like nothing bothers him. He was like, I'm going to take it day by day. Whatever happens, happens. I'm here to get better. I'm here to help the team. Drew is angry. You know, that, that was the impression that I got. And not, you know, I don't know if it's, if he's angry at certain people and, you know, in, in specific, or if it's just like, he's, he's motivated and wants to prove himself. I think it's probably the latter, but he had an edge to him, Phil, when he talked to the media this week. And it was like, you know, I, I don't care if, not that he didn't care, but whether he was here or traded somewhere else or ended up somewhere else, he was like, I'm going to be the guy wherever I am. So I'm not worried about it. I'm going to keep working. He was like, I don't read this stuff, but it's some point. I'm going to go back and laugh about what everybody said this offseason. I mean, he's got a little bit of an edge to him, and I like that because it seems like it's motivating him. Um, but just very interesting, Phil, that you've got two guys who are competing for the same job, and yet they're seemingly going about it so differently. They're, they're putting in the same amount of effort, obviously, but just going about it in completely different ways. Yeah, and I think that's just a result of Teddy having – seen a lot of stuff in this league. I mean, he understands how this whole thing works just from being the guy in Minnesota to getting hurt, then having to go to New Orleans and be behind Drew there, seeing how that franchise runs and then getting another opportunity last year in Carolina. He's been through all the ups and downs in this league, kind of knows where he sits in my mind. I think he knows what he is, but Drew is still that guy who is, he thinks he's on the rise He's working toward being a, a, a good, great quarterback in this league. I mean, that's that's where he sees his career 
path going is that he's very much on the rise and that these first two years uh, haven't necessarily been an example of what he's capable of. So I think that's probably why you're hearing the two different mindsets. He might be angry at you, Eric, because you <laughs> said that you are on the hype train for the quarterback. So oh, well, he didn't I think go as far as to use that exact word hype train, but yeah, I kind of felt some friction there. Well, I was talking to him afterward, and he said that he wasn't happy with you because last year you were suggesting it was no big deal to bench him whenever he threw an incomplete pass. So I would maybe chat with him, see how he's feeling about that. But uh, it is interesting, Phil. He said, you know, his parents, uh, his girlfriend, none of those people are sending him any of these rumors. He said if anyone who knows him does send him a text about something that's going on, he's like, those people are not close enough to me to even deserve a response. And he just, everything had a little bit of a tinge to it. You know, he was like, it's crazy what can happen when you just give a quarterback a little bit of time. And, and yep. that to me is maybe the most interesting thing because we saw uh, Phil Rhino Halloran with the Denver Post talk to Peyton Manning, who had a couple of film sessions with Drew Locke. And a, a quote that stuck out to me from Peyton in that was that Peyton said, listen, I don't, I don't want to make excuses for Drew, but it took me a while and being in the same system to get things going. And Tom Brady, the reason he was so good is he had the same system in new new England for so long and then basically implemented the same thing in Tampa Bay. And so he was like, give this kid a break. He's, he went into a new system in year two, didn't have any of the off season this year. Drew's able to watch film of himself. He's able, we've heard he's been down in his basement working on footwork, working on reads. Uh, so he must have a setup like you down there to, to really get that going. But and on the headset, the virtual reality is going and exactly yeah, it happened. But it, it just sounds like having, you know, this is his, I don't want to say it's his last chance, but for all intents and purposes, this is his time to go show it. You know, after this, there's no more excuses of, well, he hasn't had enough time or he wasn't in the same system or whatever. This is Drew's opportunity where everything is lined up for him to take advantage. And if he does, I think he's going to, you know, thrive and win the job and take a big step. And if he doesn't, you know, for whatever reason, cut down on the turnovers or be more consistent, then this is probably his last chance to to be the guy. We've talked about this a lot, Eric, where just like the expectations heading into this season, the, the work potential doesn't matter anymore. It's time to show it, not just for Drew, but for a lot of guys on this team. And I, I definitely think that's the case for Drew. I mean, uh, he had his chance to be like sort of that solidified starter last year. It didn't go quite according to plan. And then this year, obviously, they've explored uh, rumors, you know, uh, for Matthew Stafford. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers' talk is all around town right now. So I think that this is a, a chance for him to say, no, this is my job. And so he's, uh, he's doing everything he can to secure that right now. And he said that he's been putting in the hours and, you know, doing this work with Peyton. I think that that probably gets Broncos fans hyped up just hearing that Peyton Manning is still involved with what, what you know, trying to help out the organization this way. I think fans really enjoy uh, hearing stuff like that. And, you know, Eric, we listen to so many, press conferences with Drew Locke that when there's a little bit of a change in demeanor or maybe if he says something a certain way, but we can pick up on it. I think uh, just having listened to that a lot. And I think you're exactly right with his, uh, with the way that he answered some of those things where he was talking about his, all the work that he put in and he didn't care if it was here or somewhere else. He said, I'm going to be the guy. And then he sort of like paused and looked up straight into the zoom camera and, and paused for a second there. And I was like, okay, this guy, something that was a different kind of an answer. And definitely he was trying to send a little bit of a message there. So uh, ultimately we'll see it out on the field though. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's good for Drew to, to be pushed, to have to deal with this. A year ago, Phil, he was anointed. Everyone was telling him how great he was, you know, how he was going to, Colin Cowherd was talking about how he was going to be an MVP candidate. And I think all all off season, he was just told you're really good. And sometimes that's not good for people. And so this off season, he's been told all off season, whether he said he's heard most of it, he has to have heard some of it, you know, which is that the Broncos need to look elsewhere. They need to move on. Drew's not the answer. If he's not motivated by this with a chip on his shoulder, he will never be. And so um, 
I do still think, Phil, like you mentioned, seeing him on the field, I do still think Drew has a much higher ceiling. I think he's got a ton of potential. I think he can be the guy. Um, but this competition to me is, and this is no disrespect to Teddy because he's a solid, solid NFL quarterback, but this competition to me is all about Drew. You know, if Drew goes out and uh, makes these big plays and in training camp throws bombs and avoids turnovers and does the same thing in training in uh, preseason games, he's going to win this job. If he goes out and he throws a couple picks every day in practice and he's missing the easy throws and he's making bad decisions, Teddy is the guy that you know is – you know what his floor is and you know what his ceiling is, but the floor is higher probably than the floor we saw from Drew last year. And this to me is where is Drew's floor, where is his ceiling, and how does that compare to Teddy? But um, like I said several times, Phil, and I'll keep saying it, it reminds me of that Mark Sanchez, Trevor Simeon competition where Sanchez lost the job, I think, more than Trevor won it and could be the same case this year. Yeah, and nobody's said anything outright like that. They've all said it's 50-50. They want to give uh, e equal reps to both guys. They're not going to make any big judgments until training camp or preseason. But I think that just observing things, it does feel like it would be much better long-term for the Broncos, obviously, if Drew is the guy. I mean, if he goes out, takes this big jump, he's only in year three, hasn't played a ton of football. If he goes out and makes this big jump, then you've got your guy for a long time. You got this young quarterback. That would be much better for the organization. But uh, based off of what happened last year, they needed a guy like Teddy to come in here. And if things don't go well, and they need to turn to Teddy, you know that you've got a guy who can help this team win because the bottom line is the rest of the roster is good enough to win right now. I mean, I think that's why those Aaron Rodgers rumors exist, you know, or, or the speculation that people want him here. That's why it exists is because the rest of the roster is very talented. They just need that quarterback play. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I'm excited to see what Drew does. I I personally think that Drew is going to win the job, you know, after just watching a little bit during OTAs, seeing his mindset. Um, I know every year, Phil, you hear all these art, you see all these articles, you hear all these interviews where guys are like, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be improved. I'm going to take this step. I've lost this much weight and it's going to help me be faster. And you kind of have to take all that with a grain of salt because everybody across the league is saying it, but something with Drew just seems different. It's like something clicked and he gets it. And, and really, Phil, I think we saw – I asked Drew, hey, what, what even changed over the last few games of last year? Because after that horrific Raiders game where he threw four interceptions uh, and I think had another – the Broncos had another turnover and, and just got absolutely destroyed there on the road, he played pretty well down the stretch. Seven touchdowns, two interceptions, um, you know, led the, – the Broncos could have won that game on the road against the Chiefs very easily, Drew – for the most part, played well enough for them to win. Um, so I, I think he did make some strides. And I think if you look at the season as a whole, you can kind of explain away some of the, the lack of success. I mean, he did play pretty well in that Tennessee game, and then he gets hurt immediately. And so maybe it's not a huge surprise that as he's still coming back from a shoulder injury, he doesn't play that well against New England or he doesn't play that well in Atlanta until the very end, you know, like there, there are some ways where you're like, okay, well, I, I kind of get this. And then late in the year when you're watching film of yourself, or he was saying that there were some times that Pat Shermer was calling plays that they worked on once or maybe hadn't even worked on on game day. And so when you finally get the increased repetition, it does make sense that you'd have more success. So I, I, so I'm starting to believe again a little bit. <laughs> Got it. So you're buying into what he's saying. You like it. I like the attitude. I like the attitude. I think it's, you know, he could have come out and handled that press conference completely different. He could have been like, oh, you know, I understand the competition. It's up to me to prove myself. He could have been very differential. He could have, uh, you know, just been very careful not to say anything that could have come off as um, peeved. He could have said, hey, I understand why the fan base feels this way. I think it was very deliberate, the reason he took the approach he did and, and He's showing, hey, I'm not going away without a fight here. Yeah, most definitely. The other thing that he mentioned was his training. He said that uh, he re-examined re the way that he was trying to get fit. He said that uh, he's got a nutritionist now working with him. And to me, some of that might be 
hey, I, I can't be getting hurt. I need to make sure I'm in physical condition so that I'm not getting these nicks and bruises and I'm hurting my shoulder or something and I'm missing five weeks or chunks of practice time or all this kind of stuff. He's got to be healthy and available. I think that's first and foremost. And then, then you, maybe you can see some of that development. Yeah, and, you know, part of his game is being mobile. Like, we've seen him make big plays with his legs, I think, to that touchdown he scored against Atlanta that get the, got the team back in it. Um, I think he scrambled a couple times against the Chargers, if I'm correct, to get some much-needed first downs. Like, those are big parts of his game, so you don't want him to stop that. But you're right. Some of it, Phil, I think is physical, but also just the mental side of knowing, hey, here's when i got to get rid of the ball. I can't allow myself to take this extra hit. Because uh, he does, you know, if you're not out there, you're not helping anybody. And that's probably the biggest thing that we've seen from the great quarterbacks in this league, Phil, is they continue to stay out there. You know, yep. Brady's missed, what, one season in 20 years? Peyton Manning missed very few games until that final uh, 2015 stretch in his entire career. I mean, it just. Yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning took self-sacks where he just fell down. I mean, yeah. I don't know if Drew needs to do that, but, oh. hey, this is more lift the play another down you know do you think they talked about the the self sack where he then got up and threw a completion because that's probably the greatest the play. Steelers, yeah, in the yeah. Playoffs. That's, a great play. that's a sneak play yeah I like that uh yeah so uh the one last thing i wanted to say about what drew had uh had to uh say during his press conference was he talked about the importance of having all of the skill players there and that they got on the phone and had a conversation about the need to have these OTAs here at uh, UC Health Training Center. And that just showed me that he still really does believe that he's the guy here in Denver and that he's like, I'm going to get on the phone with Corlin Sutton. I'm going to get Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, all the guys. I'm going to make sure that they're here so that we can get this work in. And uh, I thought that was impressive. I mean, that's one thing that Drew has been extremely aware of ever since he came to Denver is the feel of the locker room, how to get things done like that. I remember when Vaughn put that $100 bill on his locker, you know, he, he knows how to win over a locker room. And I, I did think that it was important that all those guys were, were there for OTAs. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is somewhat of an uncomfortable situation, right? It's like, if you had a best friend and then all of a sudden your best friend is hanging out with somebody else without telling you, or like all of a sudden you're not just the two best friends anymore. Like Drew has been the quarterback for these guys for a year and a half, two years. I mean, we heard Vaughn really early in 2019 say Drew is the guy I've been waiting for Drew to start. Um, Call him a rock star. Like they've been in his corner and now it's like, well, now Vaughn's saying nice things about Teddy Bridgewater and <laughs> Corlin Sutton and Noah Fant, we know, or they're not going to say anything bad about Teddy. You know, like everyone's going to be supportive of both guys, but it's it's like this awkward little triangle now. And so Vic Fangio did say, hey, the leadership aspect might be the most difficult part to show because until you start making plays on the field or until you're the guy, you know, who – if I'm Cortland, I'm like, who am I supposed to follow right now? Who is, who is the leader of this football team? It's a little bit confusing. Yeah. Flashbacks to high school. I mean, just exactly. scary moments here. It's like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> you know? yeah. I did hear what Bob like Gordon was on Jim Rome this week. And so, or t- I think on Wednesday and said, Oh yeah, I know Teddy for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Or like maybe you exchanged a note in like first grade and you're like, do you want to be my girlfriend? And they like check yes. But then you find out that they also checked Robbie's note and you're like, well, what's going on here? That might be what Drew's feeling right now. So yeah. Yeah. He's like, still be mine. Robbie. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Bad. So I hope that Andy Locke listened to that, that segment there, you know, Drew's dad. I know he's a big fan of the neutral zone and, Maybe you can relate relay the messages to Drew. That's those are how, positive. Those are positive messages. Yeah, that's how I think Drew said that. Uh, if he hears something nice, Andy will uh, relay that. I know Andy is a big fan. He's told me that he's a big fan of our work. So his parents have been uh, really nothing nice. But, nothing but kind to us. I sat with them at the Chiefs game two years ago when on Drew's first trip. Great family. I mean, you want Drew to succeed. You know. Yep. Like, I think that's one thing that 
Drew has had his share of struggles. I can understand why fans might say, hey, we need to get a, a veteran, a proven guy to take advantage of this roster. But I will say that, you know, if Drew – like no, no one has anything against Drew personally. Everyone wants oh. Drew to succeed. Everyone wants Drew to take this step. Um, he's been a good guy to have around. And so uh, I'm hopeful that happens for him, and I think it can happen. But, yeah, yeah Phil, maybe just – Andy, if you're listening, don't tell Drew that Phil wanted to bench your son. <laughs> hey. I know Andy was listening to those pre-draft neutral zones and you uh, talking about Justin Fields. Ooh, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. That's what I'll say. Why would I be talking about a Chicago Bears quarterback? <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Not true. Eric, uh, one of the guys who did show up this week is Jerry Judy. Uh, he was here for the start of the offseason program last week. Again, here this week for OTAs. And I had a chance to catch up with him after practice the other day ask him about his mindset heading into this season and uh, how good it was to be back out onto the field, on the field with these guys. All right, Jerry, how does it feel to be back out here with the guys? Uh, it feels good, you know, just having everybody come back to the facility and get, actually do some real football, like run plays and get, go against the defense, you know. That's something we all look forward to, to come out here and, comp and compete. So it feels great to, to be out here and doing what we love to do. How important is this time, Jerry? Because last year you didn't get this. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's very important. You know, you want to get all the reps you can, just so you can know the plays mentally and come out there and get in repetition with the quarterback. So it means a lot coming out here. What areas of your game have you been working on this off season? Um, you know, like I had a lot of drops last year, so that's a big emphasis that I'm doing on um this season. You know, like after every practice, catching jugs, um, just focusing on the little details on my hands. So that's mostly what I'm focusing on. You're one of the last guys to leave the field here today. I mean, is are you taking a different approach this time around? Oh, yes, yeah, of course, of course. You know, I feel like I got a lot to prove this year, and I feel like huh, if you put in the work, then all the all that work going to show when it's time to show. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just out here grinding. A lot of rookie wide receivers got a lot of attention last year. Do you feel like, hey, you belong in that group? I mean, I, I see why because, I, like, I, I ain't played to my um, standard, but I understand. So this year, no excuses. So I'm just going to work on what I need to work on. But, yeah. What's it like with the quarterback competition out there between Drew and Teddy? You know, Drew and Teddy, they both out here competing. They both out here doing great, doing what they need to do to get better each and every day. You know, you can see the, the level of competition going up high. So uh, it's good to both, for, for both of them to be out here. Nice seeing Cortland Sutton out here too. Oh yeah, you know, it's all great to see Cortland out here, man. You know, great guy, especially um, him being on the other side of the ball is very scary. So it's gonna be scared for defense to, to stop him 100%. The Broncos in the first round picked your friend, Pat Sertan. Uh, what's it like having another Alabama guy out here? Uh, it's great having another guy, Alabama guy and South Florida native. So, you know, we grew up from the same, we, from, we basically from the same hometown and we put, went to the same college. So him coming up here to Broncos, just having somebody that, uh, a friend um, up here with me, my, you know, great guy. So you knew him for a long time. I mean, are you kind of telling him what Denver's about, what's it like in the NFL and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I knew him for a little while. I knew, I knew Pat since um, Little League. Um, you know, Pat is a Little League legend, if you don't know that. Yeah, Little League legend, you know that about Pat. He used to play running back, ain't nobody. Best running back in the nation really? at the time, yeah. But, you know, it's great just to see him grow and come out here and just be who he became. Okay, we'll see. Maybe you get him on offense a couple plays, huh? Oh, yeah, you know, he going to make plays all over the field, no cap. <laughs> all right, Jerry, thanks, man. Right. Appreciate your time. My thanks to uh, Jerry Judy for spending a few minutes there to catch up and uh, hear about how he's attacking this offseason. And he's the one who came out and just said, hey, last year didn't live up to my standards. Uh, I, I dropped the ball way too much. I can't have that. There's no excuses this time around. Yeah, and that's the right attitude to have. I liked Phil that, you know, you didn't ask him about the drops. You just said, what do you need to work on? And I appreciate that he brought that up himself. I think that that shows a sign of maturity that, Maybe he didn't have even last year because I remember after that Titans game, Phil, somebody said, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm not going to drop the ball again. And obviously it happened later. And he said, sometimes that happens. And you could tell he was frustrated and that things kind of added up a little bit toward the end of the year. So I appreciate that he's now got the, um, the viewpoint or the proper perspective that, hey, this needs to improve. And so I really think Jerry Judy could be one of the most improved players across the league because his route running ability, even as a rookie was unmatched, that should only get better. His understanding of defenses and coverages and what to do in certain situations should get better. 
I asked Corlin Sutton, you know, what allowed you to take that year two jump and could let Jerry Judy make it this year? And he said, you just understand little parts of the game that help you here and there. And then, Phil, I think improved quarterback play will help Jerry Judy. If it is Drew Locke, he's going to have, I think, a, a bigger comfort level with him. And then just the fact of having Cortland out there, I do think it's possible, Phil, that, you know, we heard a lot of Jerry Judy's success is going to be based on what Cortland Sutton does. And we we heard Cortland the other day say, hey, I'm comfortable. I'm coming back 100%. I'm going to be better. I do think in some ways it's going to be tougher than he maybe realizes right now because we heard Bradley Chubb say the same things a year ago. And then, you know, there was a, a scary little moment in training camp. And he later said, hey, the first few weeks – I wasn't so sure about my knee and it took about a month, a month and a half for us to really see the Bradley Chubb we were used to seeing. And so if that happens with Cortland and he needs a little bit of time to work in, you know, I'm not saying he won't be out there, but maybe he's not quite the the star player he was, maybe he's still getting comfortable, getting his feet wet. He'll still attract attention, but I think Jerry Judy could just dominate from the opening stretch of the season as teams are kind of like, Hey, we got to pay attention to Cortland. We can't, you know, bracket Jerry anymore and he just could take advantage of that in a big way yeah and even as a rookie it felt like he knew some of those subtleties of the game that Corlin was talking about there that you know his route running his understanding of how defense is trying to attack him he found those open pockets he has a feeling for that and hopefully he's able to execute here I mean when I talked to him the other day uh he was one of the last guys off the field uh, I ha- I tried to get him a little bit earlier, and he said, "No, I got to go catch on the jugs machine." So that that is a, a, a step forward here. And you know, the bottom line is, if he would have c- caught some of those passes last year, would have looked really good. You know, like uh, the numbers would have been there, the touchdown totals would have been there. So cleans up that part of the game, and you know, uh, it was a really good rookie season. So I do think that better quarterback play is going to help. Having a uh, uh, Cortland on the other side is really going to help, and you know, uh, he should be able to take off a little bit here. I I did ask him. I said, hey, last year other rookie wide receivers got a lot of attention. Justin Jefferson, obviously in Minnesota, there did that sort of bother him or what did he think about that he said no I understood that you know uh, um, they had good seasons and I didn't in his mind so uh, I do think that's the right approach there and you know when you're in the NFL I think these guys know that it's short-lived sometimes unless you really come through and there's only so much of, of this sort of honeymoon phase where oh I was just a rookie oh this happened that happened you got to put up and I think that uh, Judy knows that yeah, I mean, he had 850 yards last year, but you're right, Phil. If you change five five catches or five possibilities, you know, you're talking about he ices a win at Tennessee with a catch there on, a, I think it was a second down, you know, late in the game. He, he ices a win there if he makes a grab. You talk about if he makes a deep catch against Atlanta late in the game, he helps them, you know, complete a another 21-point comeback win for the second week in a row. If he catches a couple touch wide open touchdowns or that late pass against the Chargers uh, to get him into field goal range, you know you're again talking. Now you're saying Jerry Judy has you're probably talking 1,100 yards. You're probably talking six touchdowns, and more importantly than that, you're saying Jerry Judy directly led to three or four wins here as a rookie. And so, I mean, that's just the that, that shows you the margin in this league of between success and failure of how close he was to make some truly incredible plays. And Justin Jefferson had Adam Thielen on the other side, one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. So it doesn't matter who who's playing around you. And if and Kirk, uh, somebody, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and Kirk Cousins too. So, you know, wide receiver is one of those positions where you need some help to really be able to shine. And so uh, I do like his mindset too. But Eric, like you said, this time of year, everybody's saying the right stuff. So you got to just make sure you don't buy into it a little too much. Yeah. And, you know, I do think in some ways there are, like, I believe that Jerry can improve because there are like, there are factors that are pretty clear that will lead to that improvement that we've talked about. Like it's his second year guys take a rookie jump a lot of the time. You know, he's getting Cortland back. That should help another year with Drew. You talk about Drew Locke's improvement there. Like 
there are tangible things you can point to that will say Drew will be better. It's different than a guy who's been in the league for like, like I don't want to call somebody out, but I think of like veterans who have been in the league for like eight years and they've always had three sacks a year. And then like they're coming into year eight and they're like, I feel like I'm in better shape than ever. I'm going to have eight, nine sacks this year. And it's like, well, your game over the course of your entire career shows that that's probably not going to happen. And so um, doesn't mean they're not striving for that, but it's just like maybe your best football is not ahead of you if, you know, you haven't shown that in the course of eight, nine years or whatever. With Jerry, it's been one season. Guys always take that second year, or not always, but normally take that second year jump. So this to me is not the same thing where it's like, oh, he's just, he's, this is wishful thinking. This is realistic. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he can catch the football. This, for some reason, it didn't happen last year. So, yes. you know, if he, if he just cleans that up a little, it could be really, really good. So, Eric, let's get to our main event here. The main purpose of even having this podcast this week. And that is to talk about personal rivalries in Broncos history. We're talking about like Jay Cutler versus Philip Rivers things like that all throughout Broncos history. Uh, and the reason we're talking about this is because there's a major feud boiling over on Twitter in front of everybody between Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, a couple of premier golfers going at it. And uh, it got us thinking about the Broncos. Yeah, that's right, Phil. And there's lots of uh, good options here, you know, feud-wise. Um, certainly within the last – 10 years. I mean, how do you want to do this? So you just want to talk through a few of them? Yeah. Let's like, uh, for example, what do you think like is your number one feud in mm. Broncos? And, and uh, let's, we can keep it to like the last 10 years or, you know, if you or want so. to keep it to that or. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, my, uh, when I think about the last 10 years, to me, the, the one that excites me the most is to leave a keep to leave versus Michael Crabtree just because yeah. it, it had staying power, uh, it developed. You know, there was the, the first chain grab, stealing his chain at home uh, here in Denver. And then I think it was the next game, it might have been the next season, they go to Oakland, Tlaib grabs his chain again, and it just incites a brawl. Marshawn Lynch ends up escorting Tlaib off the field to, through the Raiders bench area to the locker room. A bunch of people got kicked out. Tlaib got suspended. You know, to me, that was good because there was a little bit of a development. It wasn't just a one-time thing. Um, and Tlaib, Phil, we already knew at that point. I mean, he he had an edge to him. We had we had seen the uh, Harry Douglas clip where Harry Douglas went after Chris Harris and Tlaib said, we have the same agent. When I see him in Atlanta, I'm going to beat him up. Uh, you know, there there was history there. And so you were like, okay, let's see what happens with Michael Crabtree and Akeem Tlaib. Yeah, and obviously, Keep to Leave has had a long-standing personal feud with Steve Smith, so you knew that Tlaib is a fiery guy. And I will say, to make a feud particularly good, you got to be talking about a couple of good players here. You know that it counts. So I do think that having like Tlaib and Crabtree, like those, you know, those are some pretty good players going at it. And you add in the physical element of football. You add in how fiery you got to be. And uh, that is one that I think is uh, uh, up there, right up at the top. Um, I was going to say another option could be Von Miller and Cam Newton. You know, mm. uh, it hasn't like uh, been spilled out into the media where they've directly said things about each other quite, quite the same way. But I do feel like Cam going number one in 2011, Von going number two. Von always seems to have a little bit of an extra edge. Uh, those weeks and it happened the first time they played each other in Carolina where Vaughn did the Superman after he sacked him uh, and then obviously in the Super Bowl Vaughn just took over that game and then he dabbed on Cam so that's like I would I would categorize that as a feud so uh, I definitely think that and, and you're talking about two of the premier players in the league over the last 10 years so I would say that's got to be right up there. And there was, you know, for a while, really until probably after that 2016 matchup, Vaughn was pretty complimentary of Cam. He was like, I don't know why you guys make this a rivalry. Like, I like Cam. We're friends. 
And then at some point, I think it was after that 2016 game, Vaughn just kind of admitted like, hey, I like getting after Cam. I like when I like showing him up and it, kind of all those pleasantries went away at some point and Vaughn kind of stopped pretending that that was there. That one felt to me maybe not quite as two-sided. Like, I don't know that I've heard Cam uh, like go after Vaughn or like Cam's never really had success, had success against Vaughn and so doesn't make it quite as good of a feud. But yeah, obviously the caliber of player and the fact that it culminated in the Super Bowl, or at least, you know, part of it happened in the Super Bowl, uh, makes it a good one. And it lives with Cam too. I mean, that's, that's sort of, is going to be probably something that lasts a long time in terms of talking about his career. Even this was terrible, but remember when he was at that kid's camp, I think it was this off season, those kids were even heckling him, which was really bad, but that yeah. is something that he lives with. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a couple other uh, honorable mentions from me, Phil, that, uh, maybe didn't develop into the, the level of those feuds, but uh, Josh Norman and Demarius Thomas, that was Where's a where's uh, that young fella. Exactly. Yeah. Josh, Josh Norman fired off some tweets or some radio comments that Demarius did nothing in the Super Bowl, And then of course, DT posted that incredible tweet of the ring that just said, where yours at young fella, hard for Josh Norman to, to come back from that at all. And then Phil, another one that sticks out to me is short, short lived, but, Marquette King versus local radio host. Oh, that's true. That, that, that was a good one as Get well. Your name out my mouth. <laughs> exactly. Some good, good. Some good beef there. Yeah. Uh, the other one, I don't know who the player would be from the Broncos, but like sort of the Broncos defense versus Tom Brady. That's definitely been a, a little bit of a some uh, friction there at times. You know, certainly they got after him in that uh, 2015. AFC championship game but earlier in that year Brady posted a picture on uh, social media before they played that snow game and then after the game the Broncos posted something on social media so there was a little bit of a back and forth there and I do think that when you're talking about a player like Tom Brady it kind of gets your juices going a little bit and you want to be able to get after him and the Broncos defense certainly did that yeah and I mean you mentioned Philip Rivers and uh, Jay Cutler Philip Rivers and the Broncos defense, you know, Chris Harris, he, those two guys uh, went back and forth a lot, a lot of, a lot of good options, but you know, to me that the Tlaib and the Crabtree, I mean, that brawl in Oakland, like that's about, that's about as prototypical Raiders Broncos as you can get. Like that was one of the last games in the, in the black hole that we ever played there. He's running around with his chain. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, that was a, a high theater there with uh, yeah. it playing like, out in the game. I, I still remember sitting in the press box, and I just legitimately was like, what is happening? I cannot <laughs> yeah. believe that this is going on in front of me. Well, and a lot of uh, that hatred uh, goes way back, you know, obviously uh, to when the Raiders were really good in the 70s. But something that – another feud that really heightened that rivalry was Mike Shanahan versus Al Davis. You know, that was a big feud there where – pretty much Shanahan's main objective every year was to beat the Raiders twice. Yeah. So that that's a fun personal feud. Yeah. Uh, and then going back even further in Broncos history, I would just say John Elway probably had feuds with every single defensive person out there. You know, uh, Derek Thomas with the Chiefs, that was always a rivalry. Howie Long uh, with the Raiders, that was always fun. And then I even remember when – Elway was coming out of in the draft. Terry Bradshaw said some things uh, about John not wanting to go play for the Colts. There was always some friction there. And then obviously John Elway had uh, a feud with Dan Reeves that ultimately let Dan Reeves uh, no longer be in the head coach. So when you're a player like John Elway, people either tend to really love you or they really hate you. And uh, he didn't make a lot of friends in the AFC West. That's true. Phil, any uh, any rivalries that you think could, you know, be stirring or cooking? They're, they're coming soon. I'm glad you asked, Eric. I'm glad you asked because I think in order to get there, the Broncos have to get back to relevancy. You know, yeah. I don't think that, like, I'm not sure if Patrick Mahomes thinks of the Broncos as a big rivalry or anything, you know. Right. He doesn't know any other way, but, you know, I, I – I could see if the Broncos were able to get to a certain level here, 
maybe there would be a little bit of a rivalry between Drew maybe and Patrick. If Drew is able to take this step, maybe the Broncos knock them off a couple of times. Maybe uh, Bradley Chubb. You know, Chubb has been pretty vocal those weeks playing against the Chiefs. Maybe one of these times the Broncos actually win the game. And then the next time around, maybe there's a little bit more of a back and forth. But it's never going to get there unless the Broncos can actually uh, win a couple of those games. Maybe one of those games late in the season really means something. And then you can have more of a robbery. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's true. You need that to develop. I don't even know if it really develops between two quarterbacks a lot of the time. Like Patrick Mahomes seems like he's going to maybe rise above some of the fray that like a, a Jay Cutler would, would well, get into. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes have had a little bit of a yeah, but like playful, but it. It's somewhat like Tom Brady went to a locker room and talked to Patrick Mahomes after that first AFC championship and said, Hey, you're going to get there. Like, I think in like with Peyton and Brady, a lot of it is just based on mutual respect. I think, you know, it's not the same. You're not going to hear that the same level of trash talking. You know, I don't know if like, if a receiver, you know, like if Pat Sertan is really good and he, you know, could go up against one of these receivers every year or like Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton just absolutely torch some of these corners. Like that could be a good one. Um, so one that we forgot is Keenan Allen versus Chris Harris. Yep. Uh, Keenan Allen, of course, said that Chris Harris couldn't hold his jock strap, and Chris, uh, you know, responded in kind and essentially just dismissed Keenan Allen. But <laughs> there's there's been some good ones. It makes things fun even when uh, the wins aren't necessarily there all the time. Well, I really think things like this are tremendous for sports. I mean, you're, you know, sometimes uh, you want to have that mutual respect. You want to have things like the Von Miller Pass Rush Summit, things like that, where you you have some bonding. But also, it's nice to have a, maybe a couple of guys out there, maybe a team or two where you really just don't like them. Yeah. And I think that that's okay to have some of that. Yeah. And one guy I think of Phil, a sneaky good trash talker who could stir things up a little bit. Uh, Tim Patrick, before the Chiefs game last year, somebody asked him, like, why do you think you can succeed against the defense? And he just ended the Zoom. He was like, I'm, I'm not even answering that. Yeah. Well, didn't he get kicked out of uh, one of the games? That, was that against the Raiders, maybe? He, he punched a Raiders player, yeah, yeah, and got kicked out. I, know, I think he said something like, wait until you see what I have in store, you know, the next time we play. And yeah. I think he got hurt in that last game. So yeah, I don't know if he played in that one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Tim Patrick's a little fiery. I like it. Yeah, but he's got to become really good for that to matter, you know. Yes. So he he took that step, but I'm saying like for it to like get some recognition, like oh, did you see what Tim Patrick said? You got to yeah. be like a better. Exactly. You got to be one of the premier yeah. guys. If Bryson, for example, DeChambeau had not won a major. Like, all Brooks has to do is tweet a photo of his four trophies and, like, Bryson can't say anything. But now that he's got a little bit more of a leg to stand on, it makes the rivalry more interesting. Have you uh, – I'm sure that you've followed a lot of their beef, but did you see when uh, DeChambeau said that Kepka doesn't really have a six-pack? He doesn't work out as hard. And then Kepka tweeted a picture of his four trophies and said, yeah, I'm too shy of a six-pack. Yeah, so I got a four-pack or something like that. Just absolutely incredible. Yes, and it's fun. It's fun, and you hope that they are paired with each other because the mental aspect in golf is really tremendous. And I think there are some feuds in sports that are, you know, they're fabricated, they're made up. I'm trying to think it's like, uh, what's the, like, Matt Damon and uh, is it Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel? Kimmel? Yeah, yeah where, have like that's, the, yeah, that's, the fake feud. That's like, funny. Like, Brooks really does not like Bryson. And, like, Tlaib really did not like Michael Crabtree. Like, those are those are real feuds, and that makes it so much better. Yes. You need to have some real hatred there for it to be really yes. good. Yes. Yeah. But and, – and hopefully that happens because that makes sports fun. That's why, like, a seven-game series is fun in hockey or in the NBA because you just go up against these guys six times. The seventh time down – maybe that extra elbow just sets you off a little bit and boom, you got a little something there. So I, I do think it, it's what makes sports fun and it makes, you got to get fired up about it. You know, when exactly. your team's playing, you got to get fired up and that's a way to do it. So exactly. 
let us know if we forgot some of these because there's so yeah. many feuds. So let us know. Send in a couple of emails or let us know on Twitter because I'm sure we definitely forgot some. So let us know. Eric, and with that, let's get to the final segment of the show. It's time for some shout outs. Yeah, Phil. Uh, shout out Liz Gerald. Gerald. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's going to take a little bit of getting used to, but yes. shout out. Still the same community employee. Yep. Still just as good as Zooms. So deserves it. back Zooming this last week. Yeah, you can't keep Liz away from the Zooms for too long. Yeah. But, so that's, that's impressive. Yes. Phil, uh, that was good. Any any other th- big things happen this week? I guess I'll give a shout out to uh, our guy Ray Jackson. He yes. was uh, promoted to vice president of player development. He helps guys on the field, off the field. He runs the rookie program. He's always there for guys. Uh, one of the best guys in the building, Phil. We like him a lot and it, well deserved. A guy who grew up in Denver, went to Montbello High School in the CSU Hall of Fame. Went off and had a, I think a six-year NFL career, I believe. Played a um, little bit, yep. And uh, then went and won a couple of Super Bowl rings as part of the Steelers staff. Ended up obviously coming back he, here in 2015, and just a uh, a great guy, well deserved. And you know, Phil, I don't know if people realize behind the scenes. You know, you think about the coaching staff and you think about the players and the front office, but so a lot of little, a lot of not a little, little, but there are tons of people in like other roles that make this thing go. And that when you're having a good season, play a role in it. And Ray is one of those guys. Yeah. The support staff plays a crucial role because, you know, uh, these guys are all adults. They're all professionals, but sometimes the transition from college to the pros is uh, more difficult than you realize. You know, you want these guys to be able to spend time studying their playbook, worrying about football, but sometimes life happens. And that's where Ray comes in and is able to be a, a, a valuable resource for these guys, no matter what's going on. Ray's door is always open. Part of the reason why he's so good is he's got really great candy in his office, uh, Eric, you could stop by, get some candy and uh, have a chat with him. And his door is always open. And he's he makes it a point to even say, like, what's up to me? And uh, we've become friends over the years. So, you know, nobody, uh, nobody talks to you. So that's that's really meant exactly. a lot. You know not to talk to me. when exactly. I come out of the hall. Exactly. You're exactly. like, oh, it's Phil. Let me get out of the way. <laughs> so, yes, uh, shout out to Ray. George has really uh, – uh, George Payton has really put um, – uh, a heavy priority on making sure that some of these uh, staff members really get recognized and promoted. And he's done a lot of that since he's come to Denver. Yeah, no, it's nice to see him uh, start to build his staff and we'll kind of see how that continues to develop. But uh, you, you like rewarding people, obviously, that have been here that, that deserve to take that next step. So Erica, we do have a couple of emails here. Oh, we do. Uh, that I thought maybe we could get to. Uh, Andrew Maines did respond uh, he says, no, I'm not Andrew Mason's father. Oh, he did. Respond. Okay. Well, good to, clar- good to clarify at least. Is there more or that was all he said? No, no, no. He, he also said really excited to see what this wide receiver core can do this year. Uh, as long as Drew can put it together, got to cut down on the turnovers. Uh, I think the offensive line is decent, excited to see what, uh, uh, Javante Williams can do with, uh, Melvin Gordon. And he's very excited about PS2. So he, th- he also thinks that uh, Chubb and Miller can be one of the best uh, duos in the NFL. So Definitely. Andy Maines coming back through. Thanks, Andy. Yes. Uh, we do have one other one from Anthony Hall. What's up, Phil and Eric, the Broncos country dynamic duo. Thank you very much. Like Thank that. you very much. He says, this is Mel Hall from Cali. East Palo Alto, to be exact, Eric. I love Palo Alto. I wonder if he's a John Elway fan. What do you think? You, uh, I, I think you have to be if you're from there. Yes. He says he's been a Broncos fan since 1977, that first Super Bowl. He says fans need to give Drew Locke some slack, give the kid a chance. He got injured his rookie year, uh, immersed himself into the playbook, came back to finish strong. Uh, he hopes that, uh, uh, or he said then last year in the offseason, got a new offensive coordinator, new playbook. This kid's got game, he says, Eric. Not his fault that the injury bug bit him early. 
Guys were dropping like flies last year. Hard to shine when you're patching holes all season long. And hey, that's what we said. If, I mean, if there's an argument to be made for him, it's, that's what it is. Yeah. Give the kid a break. It is really interesting, Eric, where fans lie. So There's a lot of fans, just like Mel, who say, give him a break. Then there's a whole lot of fans that say, no way, we got to get an, we got to get somebody else in here. Here, here's my hope, Phil, and maybe this is uh, maybe neutral zone nation. I'll just turn this, tune this out a little bit, but I'm gonna talk to Mel. You talk to Mel, baby. Uh, I'm gonna stray away from the logic and the facts here, Phil. This is an emotional plea that you would normally make. Yeah, you're not that emotional guy. I am. No, you, you might have wanted Justin Fields. You might have wanted Matt Stafford or whoever else. You might still want Aaron Rodgers. My hope is that if Drew Locke is the guy and he, you know, that you root for him 100% and that, you know, you are behind him and, you know, when he's out there week one against the Giants, that you're hoping he succeeds because it feels to me, Phil, like there's so much negativity, especially on Twitter, of people wanting to be right one way or another. They want to be right that Drew Locke is a guy, but they want to be right that he's not the guy. And it almost seems like at times they're rooting for him to fail. And that, you know, that's not fair. That's not what you do if you're a real fan. And so I hope that we don't get to the point where – he's playing decent and there's still people that are looking for excuses and for reasons to put that kid down because he's put in the work. And so if he goes out there and plays well, he deserves your support. Don't, don't just, you know, bring him down for the sake of being right. You think they got to own it then Eric and be like, I was wrong about him. That would be nice. You can own it, but like, just, he might put that in a book. If he goes, that's true. He said that. I like that too. If he, if he goes out and throws a couple touchdowns, three touchdowns against the giants and they win and they get a couple wins here to start or later in the year, you know, they upset the Ravens or the Steelers, like, and he's playing well, be happy for him. Be happy for the team. Be rooting for him. It it does feel to me like there are some people out there that they're like ready for week one for Drew to throw a pick so they can say, I told you so. Uh, Yeah. That is the, the social media world we live in. Yeah. yeah. But I do think ultimately they just want the Broncos to have success. So if they see that, oh, I hope so. they're going to hop back on. But it seems like some people want the Broncos to have success their way. And then like they want well, first for some people to fail. The fans are all behind him when they went four and one his rookie year. So most, most were. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like there's some people who are like Javante Williams doesn't work worth a second round pick. So it's like they, you know, like you should still root for the kid you know it's not his fault that he got taken in the second round well i mean they went up to get him in the second round yeah. yeah you watch behind the broncos no shortcuts episode four eric if you watch that <laughs> of course learn I about it. it yeah of course i watched it yeah i know you watch it but yeah fans listen it's it's called behind the broncos no shortcuts episode four episode four episode four yeah you learn all about that so check out that on Broncos YouTube. Eric, we love getting interaction with the fans. You know, if you don't appreciate Eric telling you how you're supposed to feel, just let him know. You just go ahead and blast him too. Yeah. You know, put him on alert. Uh, you could do that by contacting us via the voicemail line, the hotline. It's the NZ hotline. Maybe it needs a catchier name. That's 707 neutral, Eric. Leave a voicemail. Just let us know. Hey, you guys forgot a feud. Hey, don't tell me how to feel. I'm I'm allowed to feel however I want to feel. Yeah. Let us know because we want this to be interactive. That's the whole point. Uh, You can also leave an email. Eric, how do they do that? It's right. Neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. It's maybe one of the best places to leave an email. I always forget how that's supposed to be done. So I have to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget how to do it on Twitter at Eric Dalala with an A, at Phil Milani with PH. That's non-traditional right. spellings. Yeah, non-traditional spellings there. Uh, you can also just leave a YouTube comment while you also smash subscribe. Boom! Gosh, there are so many ways. So many <laughs> There's ways. So many ways. Just come be a part of the family. You know, that's what we <laughs> right. want. That's right. That's what we want. We'll be back next week talking about something crazy. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a follow-up. The the worst feuds in Broncos history. The most boring feuds. The most boring ones, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that'll be. Yeah. I got to do my research before that show. Yeah. Yeah.
Uh, our thanks to Jerry Judy for taking some time to chat there. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, hearing what he had to say. We also talked about the quarterback position a little bit. So really nice episode to get you ready for the weekend. A nice long uh, weekend here where you can relax before the start of the summer. Memorial Day, right? It's not Labor Day. I always get those mixed up. Memorial Day, correct. Memorial Day, yeah. So enjoy a nice long weekend. Eric's going to be working though. That's right. I mean, you get them confused because when you don't take any days off, it's all kind of the same. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that'll do it for us. For Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The Neutral Zone. Uh,